Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. As a pastor, I want to fix things. When people bring a situation or a problem, I want to give a solution. But you know that there's not a solution to everything, right? Someone loses a, a, a child. There's not a solution for that, y'all. There's not a magic verse that I'm going to read. And when they hear that verse, they're going to say, oh, wait, when she read that verse, it was all better. You know, there's things that there's no quick fix for. And we have to accept that, that there's not a quick fix. There's not a, a, an immediate remedy. There's, this is something God needs to do. Sometimes... The Lord simply wants us to turn to Him and wait. Today, Pastor Bill will speak on the instant gratification society that we live in and challenge us to lean on the Lord in moments of distress. Many of us are blessed with close friends and family as support, but their capacity is only so wide. The Lord not only can carry your burdens, He wants to. Is there something holding you down in your life today? Seek after the Lord and allow Him to fill you in your darkest moments. He loves you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. God is so much greater and so far more vast than, than we are. We will not always understand what He's doing. And we have the book here, right? We have the whole story. So we can look here and say, wow, God, you, you withheld that from her, but you're going to give it to her later. What was happening in the meanwhile? What were you accomplishing in the meanwhile? And I want everybody here that's waiting on God for something. Maybe you're praying that God would do something in your life. And it's not a bad desire that she wants a child with her husband. Amen. Would you guys agree? That's a fair desire. That's a that's a that's a right desire, a good desire, a healthy desire even. And, and maybe some of you are here. Maybe some of you that are watching, you have good desires. Maybe you're a Christian and you're married and you want to have a child. That's a fair desire. That's not a bad thing that you want. Maybe you're a Christian and you're single and you want a marriage. You want to be with someone. That's not a bad desire. Those aren't wrong things. And so how come God says, no, I'm making you wait. I don't, I can't answer this emphatically or directly, but I want to point your attention to something. Throughout scripture, if you go throughout the Bible and you look at all the people that were waiting for children, for whatever reason, they were barren at one point. And they were waiting on God for a child. And God finally gives them a child. These are none of those children are normal children. And it's always in the positive. So think of Sarai, who was waiting and waiting with Abraham. And she wanted this child. They get Isaac, the promised child, through whom the nations are going to be blessed. Uh, right now, we have Hannah, who's just being provoked. And she wants so bad a child. And God's going to use this to cause her to say, God, if you just give them to me, I'll give them back to you. I just want to have one, you know. And God's going to use it for his glory. Later on, uh, or, or, or over in the judges, there was Samson's mom. They were barren. And the angel of the Lord showed up and, and made her the promise that she would she would finally be able to have this son. Um, Elizabeth, um, you know, Elizabeth was barren. And she would get pregnant with John the Baptist as God made God would fulfill the promise that he made towards them. There are people in scripture that God made them wait and then he fulfilled it and it was just sweet. It was very, very sweet what God would do. And so maybe you're waiting on something and just saying, God, I don't, I don't, I'm looking at, you know, she was not just looking at other women have babies. She was looking at the other woman, her husband's other woman having babies. And maybe you're looking at other people that have what you're praying for. You're like, God, they get it. They're not even walking with you and they have what I want. 
They're not even faithful to you. And they have what I want. And you're here. You're, I'm being faithful to you, God. I'm doing, I'm trying to, I read, I pray, I serve, I go. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. You have no idea what God is doing in your heart in the season of waiting. And so I encourage you to wait in faith. Wait and trust. And wait on God to do what only God can do. Don't get tired. Don't, don't lose heart. Don't turn away from the Lord. Don't take it into your own hands. Continue to wait on God. Um, eventually, you will see his faithfulness. You will see his, his, his hand of faithfulness will show in your life in ways that only he can as you wait on him. And so uh, moving on, verse six now, uh, a couple of things. Look at verse six and seven. It says, and her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. And so this was an ongoing thing, I'm sure, at the house. And then I want you to think of it, even when they would go up to worship, the time of this was a special time for the Jewish people. They would go up and it was a time to worship the Lord, to give offerings and make vows and, you know, just to, to be in his presence, to be there, you know, before the priest, so forth and so on. And even at this sweet spiritual time, it's tells me what a, what a grimy woman Penina must have been. And she's, she's using this trip to just provoke her, you know, all the way there provoking her. And so there is feasting and eating and Hannah's double portion and Hannah wouldn't even eat. She's like, I'm just fasting and weeping. That to me, does that sound like depression? I, I mean, you know, I've never been depressed, but I imagine if you know you don't want to eat and you're crying, there's something, there's something wrong with you. You know, so you see you're depressed, something, something gone wrong if you, you're not eating and you're, you're crying. And so she's depressed about what's going on and doesn't understand. It says that Penina provoked her severely. I looked up that word provoked. It means to be disturbed, fretful, angry, vexed, indignant, grieved, irritated. Um, to, to vex, to anger. And, and then there's a, the, the word picture, it's a stirring up or provoking of the heart to a heated condition. So if you've ever had somebody made you mad until you just, everybody's so mad you feel hot, that's what she's going through. And, and I'm sure that she was very upset, not just by her own circumstances, but, but this woman is throwing fuel on her fire. And she was so upset again that she didn't eat and she just wept when she went up there. And so my question to you tonight is, what do we do? Where do we go with this kind of pain? Um, she lived in close quarters, and this is something she couldn't escape. She couldn't get away from it. Um, it was something that was there every day, even at what was supposed to be sweet times. Imagine these guys going to church, and on the way to church, you know, Panina just go, are you going to children's ministry? Oh, you won't be. Oh, never mind. You know, just, just throwing a jab at her, you know, on the way to, on the way to church. Th this is what she's living with all the time. And she can't escape it. What do we do with that kind of pain, with that kind of hurt, those kind of problems? Here's some options. She can strike out, right? Any women here, strikers, don't raise your hand. Um, but, you know, some of y'all here, you know, Benina might have caught them paws, you know. Um, she might have got clawed in the eyeball or something. So she could have struck out at Penina, right? She could have um, struck out in rage and anger and wrath and that sort of thing. She could strike out. She could head out. She could have said, I can't do this anymore. I'm leaving. She could have just took off. Um, that was an option. Um, you know, in this culture, it was not been a popular option because um, then she would have been homeless and hungry. Um, but it was an option. You know, she could have just left. She didn't do that. What we see her do later on 
is that she could cry out to the Lord. And that's what she's going to end up doing. And I would encourage you, if you have some pressing situation, that you be careful not to get in the flesh and strike out. That's not what God wants. That's not what God's going to bless. That's, that's not going to be the thing that God's hand is on. There won't be any grace on that. There won't be any mercy on that. Um, so don't, don't strike out in the flesh. Refrain from that. Don't head out. Don't leave. Um, don't leave the situation God has allowed you to be put in. Remember, it says God closed her womb. God knows what he's doing. He knew what she would be going through, but he's got a purpose and she needed to trust him beyond what she could see. Don't, don't try to get out of the difficult situation that God has you in, that he has to recreate it somewhere else. Don't do that. We'll, we will see later on that Hannah becomes an example of what we should do, which is we want to cry out to the Lord. We want to turn to God in our hurt, turn to God with our impossible situations we want to come to the God that's unlimited, that can do anything and is always available, and we want to bring it to him in prayer. Now, look at verse 8. It says, then Elkanah said, then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, he asked, now let me just say this. He asked three great questions, and then he takes off his sandal and inserts his whole foot in his mouth. The questions are great questions. He says these three things, Hannah. Why do you weep? That's a good question. Why do you not eat? That's a fair question too. And why is your heart grieved? Those are all decent questions considering the state that she was in. And had he stopped right there and, and, and listened, he'd have been a good husband. I'd have said, that's a good job, brother. You ask a hard question and just sit down and let her pour out her heart. That's a good guy. But he asked the right question. And before she answers, he goes and says, the stupidest thing you could say to a woman in her condition. He says, hey, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why is your heart grieved? He says, am I not better than you than 10 sons? And so, and, and men, we can be stupid like this sometimes. I need the men to just tune in for just a moment. You know, men want to fix things, we, but we always want to, we want to fix it quick. And there's some things for which there is not a quick fix. And we have to learn that as a pastor, I want to fix things. When people bring a situation or a problem, I want to give a solution. But you know that there's not a solution to everything, right? Someone loses a, a child. There's not a solution for that, y'all. There's not a magic verse that I'm going to read. And when they hear that verse, they're going to say, oh, wait, once you read that verse, it was all better. You know, there's things that there's no quick fix for. And we have to accept that, that there's not a quick fix. There's not a, a, an immediate remedy. There's, this is something God needs to do. She needs God right here. She needs, she needs a hug and prayer and a, and a chocolate something. You know, she, just, she doesn't need you to, but he's telling her, it's, I'm, it, he makes it about him. He takes her grief about not having a child and, not ha and having to put up with Penina, who's popping out babies like Skittles. He, she, he turns that situation into a situation about himself. Aren't I better to you than 10 children? We don't get her response. I, I think the Holy Spirit, maybe she refrained. Maybe she was a woman of self-control. I don't think her response would have been great. But I just will point this out to us. If you're ministering to someone and you ask questions, when you get done asking questions, then we need to be quiet and listen. Amen. Let, let somebody pour out their heart. Let them share and understand this, that there are going to be things that your friends or your pe people go through. Don't feel like you have to provide it. There's not an answer for everything. For some things, it's just, you know what, I understand. I understand that you're hurting, and I'm going to pray with you right now. 
and I'm just going to be here for you. And that's, there's not another, there's nothing else to say. There's no magic. There's not going to be a quick fix. You're going to be dealing with this for years to come, but I'll be here for you. Sometimes that's what we're going to be. We don't want to be like Job's terrible friends that they couldn't understand what was going on with Job. So they start offering up all kinds of suggestions about his sin and his failure that were not true. Um, we don't always have the answer. And that's the case here with Elkanah. Asked a great question, but then he opened up his mouth and put his foot right in afterwards. And so we need to be careful about making other people's situations about ourselves. Don't, don't read yourself into everybody else's situation. It's not about you. They're going through something. You got nothing to do with it. So don't always insert yourself in other people's issues. And so word to husbands, be a better listener uh, sometimes. Don't always have to have something to say. Verse 9 through 11 now. So Hannah arose after they finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And so Hannah does an amazing thing here, you guys. She, she, in her grief, in her pain, even with her husband, who's done the wrong thing and bringing another woman around, and now he's saying the wrong thing you know, to her. And all that she's going through, she finally got there to Shiloh, and she's there before the Eli the priest, and, and she's just praying. And says she's in anguish of soul and, and just in bitterness and, in, and anguish, bitterness of soul, and, and she wept in anguish. Um, she's just a mess there just crying and weeping um it says that in a little while we'll see that when she prayed that her her mouth didn't even move she was just you know just just emotional mess there praying but i want to tell you the right thing that she did she took her situation to the only person that can help there's some things that we deal with you guys that only 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 god can help us with it well her situation was something only god can help and that's where she went with it she took it to the Lord and she cried out to the Lord in the way that she knew how. Again, I, I'm challenging us. I'm encouraging us uh, in the love of Christ that we would bring it to the Lord, whatever it is in your life. If it's a struggle, if it's a desire, if it's a need, if it's if it, just bring it and, and bring it often and, and bring it in passion and bring it in fervent and bring it with your tears and bring it in and bring it, though. Pour out your heart to God. He's the one that can help. He's the one that can do something about your situation. You can talk to 10 friends and they can't do nothing but say, oh, that's terrible. I feel, I feel for you. I'm going to pray for you. Okay. You can, instead of doing that, you can spend that same time before the Lord doing it yourself. It's crying out to God. He's listening to you guys. If you go in the room and shut your door, the Bible promises God's listening. Jesus and teaching the disciples how to pray. He says, when you pray, don't pray like the Pharisees. They love to stand on the corners and pray out loud, long, elaborate, fancy prayers. Um, so they might be seen by many and, and, and people would think, oh, what a great guy. There. God said, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door. He says, your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And if I could exhort us, encourage us, um, beckon us, is to, to, to tap into your personal prayer life. It's, it's not that we don't ever pray in public. It's not that we don't ever pray in groups. 
But, but primarily, we want to have significant time where we just, it's just you and God. There's a faith aspect to that, right? If you're in a room by yourself talking to God, you're, you're a woman or a man of faith right off the top. Because you wouldn't be in your room alone talking to God if you didn't believe that he was and that he was listening. Faith already right there, and that pleases the Lord. He's listening, and he can help. He can do what nobody else can do. And so, again, Hannah's a great example of what to do with her impossible situation. Um, she brought it there to the Lord. And so um, we, we need to be good at running to God with our prayers. Again, we have a God that's available constantly and makes himself available to us. And it's his desire that we would bring it to him. I think sometimes God looks at us and just watches us run and scurry all over the place with our hurt and our pain. And, and maybe God's looking down and you're on Google looking it up and, and you're on the phone talking it up and, and you're looking at other people. You're just you're everywhere else except before him with it. And God's like, man, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to come to me with it. Right. Maybe that's a word for some. Maybe somebody here, you've got a situation and you've been everywhere else, but you have not fervently, passionately been before God with it. You may have thrown it up lightweight. You haven't been before God as though he's the only one that can help. When I, when I say you want to come before God with fervor, with passion, it's with that sort of fervor. And the, it's the fervor and the passion that says, God, nobody else can do this but you. Nobody else can help me but you. There is no answer nowhere else for my situation, but it's found in you. So I'm here before you and I'll be before you however long I got to be. And I'll be before you as passionately and as well, however long it takes. But I'll be before you with my impossible issue. There's nowhere else to go with it. And I believe that's what God wants. Sometimes I believe that we're waiting because God's waiting. God's like, I'm, I'm waiting for you trying everything. You tried every other door. I'll be here. I'll be here waiting. Come in faith, believing that there's nothing that he cannot do um, because he can do anything. So in her prayer, Hannah made a vow, right? She vowed. She said, God, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And so this is where when we when we, we typically share this story, when we do baby dedications at church, uh, we encourage Christian families to dedicate their children to the Lord. And I always remind the parents, when you dedicate a child to the Lord, it's really the, the, the commitment is on the part of the parents, right? You bring this little baby and his little diaper and his little, he, he can't even hold his neck up right yet. He's not making any commitments yet. He has, he's not capable of a commitment yet. The dedication is mom and dad saying, God, we're dedicating him to you, which means we're going to bring him before you. We're going to raise him in your ways. We're going to teach him about you. We're going to take him to church. We're going to be an example of you to him or her. We're going to we're dedicating to bring this child up in the ways of the Lord. That's the the commitment is on the, the side of the parents. This isn't like christening a kid. You can't bring a kid up and, and make them a Christian. That kid's got to grow up and, and they got to turn their life over to Christ. We want to set the stage for that. And so we have parents dedicate their children. We remind the parents, like, the dedication is going to be yours. You've got to be the example um, before this child. And, and, and you'll be the one praying that they, that they meet the Lord as early as possible, that they know the Lord as soon as possible. And that's what we pray as a church. And so Hannah dedicates this child. She, she hasn't even had him yet. But she said, God, if I get one, I'm going to give him back to you. And that was the commitment that she made to the Lord in her prayer. Now, some may say, you know, she made a deal with God and that's, you know, but, you know, God heard her prayer. I'll say this, right? If Hannah just said those words, but didn't mean it, y'all think God wouldn't know? Right. Anybody here ever made a commitment that God, if you give me this, I'll do that. And you knew you was lying. Anybody? 
No, don't raise your hand. <laughs> so, you know, the thing is when you when you pray to God, if you make a false commitment, you're praying, you're talking to the one person that can look and say, you know, you're not. If I give you that car, you're going to pick people up. No, you're not. You're not even going to church yourself if you get that car. Uh, you'd be too tired from the night at the club showing it off the night before, you know. So God knows better than we do what we would do and what we wouldn't do. He knows her heart. And evidently, God saw her heart and knew that it was a sincerity to what she was praying. And so when she said that no razor would come upon his head, that's speaking of the, the vow of the Nazarite. That was a part of the Nazarite vow when, when people were set apart for the Lord from birth. Uh, that was a case with Samson. Uh, that would be the case here with uh, Samuel. He'll be set apart from God from birth. That's the commitment that she's making. I'm going to set him apart for you, God. I'm going to give it to you. And another important thing about prayer, right, are the things that we're praying for just for us. Or is there any part of what we're asking God about that God would say, that's for me, right? Our, the goal of prayer is that God's will would be done. So be careful that all your prayers are not all about you. Hannah said, Look, I want the son, but God, I, you give him to me, I'll give him back to you. you I'm going to give you a man of God. I'm going to give you a kid. Uh, he'll be yours. He'll be, he'll be, you can do what you want with his life. I just want to have one. And so now verses 12 through 18 it says, and it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now, Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought that she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. I thought this was interesting. I, I just I, I don't have time to go into that, but uh, the men were having a discussion about wine and alcohol and in biblical days, what, what you know, was a wine, you know, was a very alcoholic, was a very intoxicating. And I, I just saw the distinction here when she said, I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink. And um, as though there was a distinction between the two. So uh, this was an interesting point. You know, uh, obviously you drink enough wine, you'll be drunk, but it seems that there was a distinction between drinks. We would call them drink. You know, there's drinks and then there's drink. You know, drink have one purpose, get you drunk. Uh, it seemed that wine was more of a drink. Uh, if you overdo it, you know, if you go out of, you overdo it really bad, you can get drunk. But then there was also drink. Um, and drink has one purpose, to get you down. So anyway, that's for whoever needs to stop drinking. There you go. Um, so it says that um, I've neither drunk wine nor intoxicating drink, but I poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. And then she says in verse 17, then Eli answered, Eli says, then Eli answered and said, go in peace. The God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way, ate, and her face was no longer sad. So a few things I want to point out in, in this section here. First of all, as she's crying out her heart before the Lord, we see that there can be times where even our spiritual leaders get it wrong. Eli would have been recognized as a spiritual leader. He's a priest there at the house of the Lord. Um, he's got an important position. And this woman is down there pouring out her heart before the Lord. And he says, hey, put away your wine, you know. Stop drinking. You're drinking too much, you know. And so he's accusing her of being drunk. Imagine that. You're already a broken down, 
Penina been in your ear all the way down the road on the trip. You, you in anguish of soul, been just crying out to God. Then the priest, the guy that like, man, please help me, pray for me, minister to me. And he comes and says, you need to stop drinking. You drinking too much. You drunk out here, you know? We know there are many ways that you can spend your day. But we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel. Pastor Bill is the voice behind these teachings here on A Transforming Word. We genuinely trust that what you're hearing is truly having a transforming effect on your life through listening to God's Word. What is standing out to you about the book of 1 Samuel? Is it the character of Samuel and how he came to the position he did in Israel? Perhaps your curiosity is piqued by the accounts of young David fighting off wild animals and even fighting against a giant enemy. There are all kinds of accounts of fights, chases, and running away from someone who was once trusted. There are also great moments of David and Jonathan and their friendship. This Old Testament book can be such a treasure of information, history, and life lessons. We hope that you're connecting with it in multiple ways today. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about up, but please join us again for the next edition as Pastor Bill continues to teach through the book of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep learning and growing in the Word and be expected for another great message here on A Transforming Word.